0: Welcome to CGI Voices. I'm your host, Pete Saronis. CGI Voices debuted in the summer of 2023, spotlighting CGI experts sharing their insights on technology, transformation, data, and other key topics for federal agency leaders. Sit back and listen to some highlights as we enjoy a look back at the year. First up, is AI hype or real? In our very first episode, Victor Folk explained why it's both but becoming more and more viable with every incremental advance.
1: Let's start with the hype cycle, right? We are in one of the most amazing hype cycles that I've ever witnessed in terms of, of, of technology. Um, and it's not all hype, right? When we talk about where we are with, with artificial intelligence today, um, you'll hear talking heads say that, you know, we're nowhere near artificial general intelligence. Uh, and then you'll hear some that talk about the emergent capabilities that we're seeing in these large language models and suggest that maybe we are a little closer than we expected. Um, I think the reality is that this is an evolution, not a revolution. Mm. Large language models have been under development for a very long time, and we've been doing native language processing in the machine learning community for a very long time, right? Neural networks, uh, cascading models, all of these things are... Um, long-standing development programs that have evolved. We just happen to be at a inflection point where large companies with hyperscale compute capability have delivered large language models that are capable of being deployed to the public at scale. right That's really the game change here. It's not new technology. It's really that the technology and the ingest of data at a massive scale, on compute platforms, also at a massive scale, are generally available to the public.
0: Security is one of the thorniest challenges for federal agencies. Here, David Crawford and Chris Laverne explain why firmware is a particularly difficult point of vulnerability. Surprising takeaway, be cautious with your smart thermostat.
2: So firmware itself is just just software, right? But it's software that's embedded on a compute chip. So it's there, and it's specialized. So... Uh, the BIOS chip, or the basic input-output system that that, that uh, Dave was talking about earlier, that's sort of a one of the big ones, uh, and, and that is for an OS to talk to, right? So you install Windows, you install Linux, whatever. It's going to interact uh, with that BIOS chip. So the BIOS chip is going to start up the computer. It's going to run the computer. It's going to know how to reach out to all the other uh, firmware chips that are on there so that you can drive... Uh, you know, uh, you know, a wireless uh, wireless device or a, a hard hard drive device, you know, whatever storage devices. All of these things have many embedded chips. A thermostat example, right? When you uh, say you have your thermostat, it's hooked up to your phone, and you like to change the temperature by your phone. Guilty as charged. You're you're, you're really not doing it directly, right? Your thermostat's communicating back with the uh, manufacturer. The manufacturer runs the web services that come back and control your your thermostat. You're communicating with the manufacturer. The manufacturer's services then are controlling that thermostat. So there's a whole path that goes on there, whereas you're thinking, oh, I'm just changing my thermostat.
0: Firmware, like software, like other things, has
2: vulnerabilities.
0: And there are paths by which nefarious actors can Engage from a firmware perspective and things that people need to consider. Um, you know, thinking about it in the, in the federal space, right? Everything that you have in your environment that has compute resources is going to have firmware, hmm. it's going to have driver updates, it's going to have, you know, your laptops get BIOS updates, um, etc. You got to deal with it. Federal agencies are taking cybersecurity seriously, however. CGI's annual Voice of Our Clients survey for 2023 found that nearly three-quarters of the company's U.S. federal clients are implementing, or already have, an operational cybersecurity program. Here, Molly O'Neill elaborates on the finding and what it means.
3: 71% of our U.S. federal clients said that they are currently implementing or have a fully operational cybersecurity program. The federal government, and in terms of a lot of other priorities out there, that's probably the one that's seeing them, what they perceive as seeing the most results, meaning they're finding things, they're, you know, or their employees aren't hitting that button when they're testing them. Things are moving and they're feeling more comfortable in their cyber programs. One of the reasons we're actually, they're feeling a little bit more comfortable. we all know cyber, you don't feel that comfortable in it. But in terms of standing up programs at least and feeling more comfortable, is that there are reasons for that, right? There are mandates in place. There have been dollars put in place, right? Uh, there have been contract vehicles put in place.
0: We have a new national cybersecurity strategy right. that so, gets updated based on things that happen when colonial pipelines are hit or a exactly. hurricane happens. So it's so, never going away. It's never cyber. going away.
3: So, so, but you know, there was this feeling, as, as I'm looking through the data that says, you know, looking at this year, people are, and again, I don't use the word comfort in the, in the typical word, I'm just saying that I, feel, I think that the data is showing that they feel that they are starting to make progress on their cyber programs.
0: Data modernization is another top priority for federal agencies, as Donna Seymour and Brad Shofstall explain how leaders can approach data governance.
3: I think, first of all, uh, what I would offer to them is be inclusive. Uh, you know, make sure that you're reaching out as broadly as you can understand who the business people are, because let's face it, it is, is wonderful and magic all on its own. (laughs) But if it's not solving a business problem, Mm. that it's not really providing the value that we anticipate to get out of it, we're not getting the return on investment. So I, I think pull pull in the business people understand their business the best way that you can help them, uh, you know, to, to pull out of them what they know so that you can understand their business well enough to understand the connections to other business units.
2: Right. So data really is, uh, you know, an enabler to get things done for whatever the situation. Got to have, as Donna said, the, the right data. It's got to be available when you need to make the decision. And it really is part of the whole concept of becoming a data-driven organization, So when you think about data-driven, really it's about making better decisions. And so the decisions need to be based on what the data is saying.
0: Ratima Kataria, who had authored a blog offering a roadmap to creating a sound data strategy, joined us on CGI Voices to delve deeper into the topic.
4: There is a lot more pronounced appreciation of the fact that data is a strategic asset. Yes, we have been using this phrase. Sometimes it can even become like a cliched phrase. We have been using this phrase for a long time, but truly for the agencies to make sure that it shows up in their strategic plans, it ties to their mission outcomes, those things are extremely important. And we are starting to see that more and more. Now, since COVID, what is one of the things that we learned in COVID is uh, we were, as a global ecosystem, caught a little flat-footed with the global pandemic, right? Is some of it... Has also brought to light how fragmented we are as a global public health ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it goes back to the lack of ability to share and exchange data accurately, timely, securely, contextually. And again, these are phrases we hear all the time. But I feel that in the last few years, since the COVID pandemic, especially in the healthcare space, there is a lot more emphasis and focus on trying to move the needle in the right direction.
0: Modernization requires more than just technology in any context. To get the best return on investment for upgrading systems, agencies also should revise, indeed reinvent, their business processes to take full advantage of new capabilities, as
1: Bob Barr explained. Interestingly enough, in this report that surfaced yesterday, one of the recommendations by this federal advisory committee was and I think it's really dawning in this pivot uh, for the IRS is to discard the lift and shift. Um, it's really, you know what, let's reinvent text, you know, sort of, a, uh, um, let's say, tech, the technology and the, and the experience around tax administration, reinvent it completely. But if you look at the technology space right now in financial services, world class financial services, Uh, Those advances are being embraced by financial services, and the IRS is still trying to figure out how to get the individual master file out of an old, you know, uh, archaic language off, off an old archaic database and sort of rebuild this and leverage these technologies that are in market and take a look a few years ahead at what's coming.
0: Sustainability and addressing climate change have become priorities in the federal government, and the chief sustainability officer's charge is to lead their agencies in those tasks. Whether the role can succeed depends on how the agency approaches it, as CGI Sustainability and Climate Change lead Dr. Mark Fluge discussed on CGI Voices.
2: The federal sustainability plan, so it came out of the executive order, 14057, as you mentioned, um, requires each major agency and even some of the contributing, the smaller contributing agencies to have a Chief Sustainability Officer. One thing that I found is that person and that role is different at every agency and not really by design, it's not tailored to fit the agency but rather they've reached out and found somebody at the agency that is in a good position at that agency to fulfill that role. It's not really, it is a new role but it's not really a new person. So that's, that kind of has created a need around that person taking ownership of sustainability Mm -hmm. and not thinking, I'll get to that when I need to.
0: Federal agencies and their industry partners collaborate to seek understanding and solve problems. But those conversations aren't always easy. Sandy Bushu provided some insight, drawing on their experiences as formal federal leaders now working at CGI on how to improve the dialogue.
4: I think I have a really good answer for, for government, and that's have more industry days. It not only is a good opportunity for industry to better understand the, so the challenge and the problem that's needed to be solve, solved, um, it, but it gives the federal side a sense of the type of industry players that are interested in solving the problem. Mm. So it benefits really both sides, and industry day is really a great way to get those introductions to meet the other companies.
0: Thank you, CGI Voices listeners, for coming along with us on the journey. In 2024, you can look forward to even more exciting conversations with domain experts across a wide universe of topics that are important, impactful, and vital to federal government agencies. On behalf of the CGI Voices team, I'm Pete Saronis, and I'll see you next year.